And I remember praying, God, show me this Jesus. I want to know this Jesus, which was a humbling statement, honestly, for a person who had been in church my whole entire life. Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday women share stories of hope. I'm Robin, and I am here with Lindy and Katie, and we are your podcast hosts. Today, we have Wendy Pope. And y'all, before we even get started, I have the coolest story about this. A lot of, well, every time before we record a story or even in a live gathering, we pray over the women sharing. So when Wendy was sharing her story, we were on Zoom. And so I prayed for her right before we started, and I just really felt prompted to say, you know, even if you feel like your story's changing a little bit right now, if the Lord leads you in a different direction as you're sharing, go with that. Mm-hmm. We tell our storytellers a lot, go with where the Holy Spirit leads you, even mm-hmm. if you've told us something different. And so I finished praying and I looked at her and I said, I really mean that. Like the Lord is really impressing on me that maybe your story is going to look a little different than you expected. And she looked at me with her eyes huge. And she said, Robin, he just changed my whole story when you said that in prayer. She said, I have not shared this story and I don't know how long. And so y'all, our storytellers usually prepare for a very long time. And this was one that in the moment, the Holy Spirit just changed Wendy's story. And so I know without a shadow of a doubt that this story is for you all. So Mm -hmm. please listen. And if it really speaks to you, will you please let us know? Because we just want to know what God's doing. So we Mm -hmm. want it confirmed. I love so much that you shared that because when I heard Wendy's story, it just really ignited something in me to really get to know God more. That's what he's calling us into. He's calling us into a deeper relationship. This story is for every person out there. You're going to love Wendy's story. I can't wait to hear Wendy as well. And I cannot believe we are sitting in November. Katie and Robin, <laughs> Christmas is around the corner. <laughs> but good news. We have some great gifts. We have some great merchandise. Go to storytellerslive.org. We are so excited to offer a really comfortable Storytellers Live sweatshirt. We have two different t-shirts with our tagline, Your Story Matters. And we also have a really cute coffee mug and Discover Your Story journal gift set, which would make a great gift. It also supports our ministry financially when you buy our merchandise. So again, go to storytellerslive.org. You can click on the shop button and it'll take you right to our store. Here's Wendy's story. Well, thank you ladies for having me on. It's interesting that I'm on today on your show talking about sharing my story because I remember a few years ago thinking I really didn't have a story and maybe there's a lot of people that sit in pews every Sunday and think they don't have a story because they weren't radically rescued from sexual slavery or an addiction or an abusive marriage or financial despair. You know, women and men, we think that, well, I don't have a testimony or I don't have a story to tell. And it was really just within the last few years that God just let me know if you have been saved, you have a story. So I love that, that everyone who has been saved has a radical story. It may be different from a next from the next person, but we all have a story. And I like to start my story by sharing a little bit about how I grew up. I grew up with Ward and June Cleaver as parents. So if you are going who? 
first off, I've aged myself because there's a lot of listeners, I'm sure, that are listening today that have no idea who they are. So I want to encourage you to go to YouTube and look up Warden June Cleaver or search on your cable search button, whatever that is, and search for Leave It to Beaver. Yes, they had a child named Beaver and a son named Wally. I don't know where they got Beaver, but I did watch the show, but I don't know where they got Beaver. But hey, this was the picture of the perfect family. Now, we'll say my mom did not wear pearls and high heels to clean the house like June did, but my mom and dad were just like Warden June. They did not argue in front of us. They discussed in front of us. Um, They were in partnership together to raise my brother and I. So I was raised with this idea of a family that mom and dad stayed together. Mom and dad did not argue. Uh, Brother and sister got, got along. Sometimes they didn't. But, you know, on Sundays and a lot of times during the week, we got in our country squire station wagon, the one with the wood down the side. We used to call it the woodchuck. We would get in our car and we would go to church. We would go to church on Sunday mornings. We would go on Sunday nights. We would go on Wednesday nights. And sometimes during the week, we were always there. So it was natural that I would choose to follow Jesus. It was lived out in front of me. Biblical marriage was lived out in front of me. And so I remember asking my mother one night when she was uh, helping me take a bath. I was little. I was six or seven. I believe I was seven. Asking her about inviting Jesus into my heart as my savior. And she told me how, and she said, we're going to go talk to Dr. Sanderson. So I went to go talk to Dr. Sanderson at the next opportunity um, that he had available. I remember sitting in his office with a leather tufted chair, my little chubby legs stuck to the leather. I remember that. And I remember all the books all over his study. If you've ever been into a pastor study, even in today's age with everything being online, they still have tons and tons of books. And I remember being so intimidated because all I didn't even like to read because I was not a good reader, even at a young age. But I remember he led me in the salvation prayer. He drew a picture of two little hills and he drew the cross in the middle. And I remember that. I remember that next Sunday going down the aisle and taking him by the hand and him praying right into my ear. And smelling Old Spice, I can still smell it, again, dating myself, but they do still sell that. It's coming, it's making a comeback. So I'm just setting the stage to where I have this makeup, this foundation of this ideal, perfect Christian life. And so how would I not grow up to follow Jesus with my mom and dad serving in the church? Now, on on Wednesday nights when they were in choir rehearsal, I might have been on the roof of the church, yes maybe once or twice. I may have been sliding under the pews, uh, playing that little football game that you made out of the piece of paper and flicking it to the other choir members' children. But I was there. The foundation was laid. I went to church camp. I sang in church choir. I did handbells. I did all the things. In my young or late teens is when the craze started the words quiet time started coming into being. I'm telling I'm 53. So this was many years ago, that term started quiet time. And I had my youth pastor introduce me to quiet time and journaling. And I have since my just kind of like press and pause right there. My mom and my dad both passed away this year. And I've been over cleaning their house up and I found journals of my younger self and all the prayers that I wrote. And I loved that. But I'll tell you, I've stopped journaling 
and writing those prayers out and my frustrations and everything else. Because when I pass away, I don't want my kids to come behind me and say, she felt that way. Because on a given day, I might feel that way. But tomorrow I won't, you know what I'm saying? It was, it's interesting to have gone back and read again, that foundation that was there. But there were at a time, there was a time where I did some things that weren't written in the Bible as these are okay to do. I received God's forgiveness. I followed him hard. I thought I was doing it all right. I don't know if anyone out there ever felt that way. I'm doing it all right. But I remember sitting in the sanctuary of my church when I was now, let me fast forward to 30, 31, married, actually married the man of my dreams. He, back in those days where I was learning about quiet times, I was learning to pray and learning to pray for spouses. So I prayed for what every good Christian girl would pray for, tall, blonde, blue eyes, and a fast red car. God had all of those things. In fact, the red car is still in our garage. It's an 87 IROC Z28 with T-top. Yes, it is. So every now and then we take it out for a spin. Uh, Don't go quite as fast as we did back then, but we still have the car. Um, I also had Christian on that list, of course. And so we had our family. After a few years of infertility, we had our daughter. And I remember sitting in church. I don't remember the exact date. I don't remember the sermon. But I remember this heaviness on my spirit asking, and I asked myself, is this all there is? Seriously, I'm 31. I have the man of my dreams who has the car. At this point, we had a minivan with both doors open and on either side. I mean, do you remember when those came out? Woohoo! We had the little TV in there. I mean, I couldn't imagine my life being any better. Every dream that I'd ever dreamt for myself had come true. But yet there was something missing, something missing. And I couldn't put my finger on it. I mean, maybe you have been that way. You have read your Bible. You have taken notes. You highlight, you even write notes in your Bible and you go to Bible study and have all of your blanks filled in. And you still know that something is missing. If you haven't been there, thank God for your, for, for that grace and for that confident knowing all along. Because that little girl that sat on that chair with the tufted leather buttons on the back, and I remember putting my fingers in them. I don't know what happened to that new and fresh awareness of my faith, but something had happened along the way. And I remember being invited in the women's ministry uh, at our church, being invited to go and hear Beth Moore speak. Now, this was when Beth Moore still spoke in churches. She was before she started all of her big everything that she does right now. But this event was actually eight hours from where we lived. And I tossed and turned to the idea of, you know, should I go? Should I not go? And then I was like, you know what? I'm going. I am tired of doing for everyone. And I want to eat what I want to eat when I want to eat it. I want to go to bed when I want to go to bed. I want to wake up. I want some girl time. I want some me time. So perhaps maybe somebody can just like, fist pump me there because sometimes we need that. So I went to this event with full on intention of just like living it up with my girlfriends. And if I happen to experience something with God, that was great. I will take a few notes. I'll sing a few songs, but basically I'm going to get away and escape from all of that at home and really just, you know, do something only for myself. So I remember going walking in. And if you've been to ever been to one of her events, even now they do it this way. They have a Friday night and they have two on Saturday because Beth is very 
committed to being back to her home church. Uh, and then she taught Sunday school on Sundays. I don't know if she still does that. I haven't been to one of her events in a while, but it's still just those three sessions. So that first session I went into, I sat down on the right-hand side of the aisle and um, we had, you know, the music started. And so I started looking around and I see these women on this side of the church, which is on the other side, the left side of the aisle. And then there's some around me, but not really that many um, with their hands in the air, singing and praising God. And I was like, you know, this little Baptist girl don't do that. I don't know what you're, it was just foreign to me. I did not get it at all. Um, But that was okay because I was really there just to get away from all the stuff at home because I was really thinking, okay, that home stuff's probably why I'm feeling like this. I did not make a spiritual connection at all. So the next morning we got up to go to the session again, the next session. And this time, more people on my side of the aisle. Now we didn't have assigned seats, but we go back to the same places. We women, we tend to sit the same. I don't know if men are that way, but we sit, we sit in the same spots. So we went down, sat the same spot, but this time people on my side of the aisle were demonstrating their worship. And I was like, okay, this is weird. It was like, God had started switching up. But I know these women did not switch up, but what was happening was the Holy Spirit was taking over that church. And then the third session, again, go back to my seat. And by this time, I was feeling a little bit free. So I raised my hands just a little bit, not like way up in the air or anything like that. But I was feeling a little free. And that was a little interesting for my little Baptist self, my little Southern Baptist self. You know, we you clap in church in the Southern Baptist church when the solo blessed you or when the budget's passed or when the pastor's been there for 20 years and we're celebrating his anniversary or something like that. So that third session, I was feeling a little bit free with my worship. And I remember Travis Cottrell, who led worship then, called up this song, saying the song called We We Will Dance. We will dance on the streets that are gold and the glorious. Okay, so again, these are all songs I don't know. If they're not in the Baptist hymnal, I don't know them. So I was like, what is going on here? There were women that were weeping. And I was thinking, gosh, they're probably broken. They're probably hurting. I felt for them. Well, then Travis stopped the music and he said, now, this is kind of unconventional, but if anybody wants to come up here and dance, I want you to. And I was like, oh, my mercy. We have gone over the edge. This Baptist girl is raising her hand and there is dancing in the church. I had, I mean, I didn't even know you could do such a thing. But I remember just being in that moment going, wait a minute. It just hit me. Something is happening here. I don't understand. These women know a Jesus that I don't know. And I began to weep. And I didn't know really why I was weeping, but I just couldn't help it. Like I said, then I realized, oh my goodness, I don't know Jesus. I wasn't unsaved, didn't doubt my salvation, but I doubted the intimacy and the realness of my relationship with this person named Jesus who gave his life on the cross for me. So in true fashion, I stuffed it all and we got in our car and we came back. Didn't tell anybody, but I remember in the next few days, carrying this heaviness around with me. This truly was a turning point in my relationship with the Lord Um, because my marriage was not happily ever after. I had all the things, but there was a lot going on in our marriage. I had my daughter and then I did not know at the time I was pregnant with my son. 
And I had all of this heaviness and all of this uncertainty. And I remember laying on the couch in my house. My daughter was taking a nap, or at least she was supposed to be. She wasn't a good napper, but uh, she was in there. Uh, And I remember reading my Bible. I don't even remember what I was reading. I remember reading my Bible, searching, just saying, what is it that these women know, know, know that I don't know? Who is this Jesus? I mean, he's the one who saved me. He's the one who died on the cross. I remember the cross and the two hills. I remember all of this, but who is this? What am I not, what have I not gotten being in church my whole entire life? How did I miss this? And I remember praying, God, show me this Jesus. I want to know this Jesus, which was a humbling statement, honestly, for a person who had been in church my whole entire life. And as an adult had learned, was serving in the church because I learned it from my mom and dad, Warden June, taught me all about it. I mean, I served, I sang in the choir, I taught Sunday school, I taught Bible study, I filled in all my blanks, but how did I not know this Jesus? And I began just these baby steps, y'all, baby steps. God, show me how to know you. I don't know. So often we have to humble ourselves before a holy God, not just with our pride. I mean, he gets to our pride eventually. He gets to our bitterness. He gets to those things that are rooted in us that should never have formed. He gets to those, but only through his grace when we are ready to process that. I was at the place where I wasn't ready to process that I was selfish, that I was unforgiving that I had an anger issue, that I was disrespectful to my husband. I wasn't ready to handle all of those things. I wasn't ready to look clearly in the mirror and see. But I had to humble myself. And it was hard to say, God, I'm so sorry. I know about you, but I don't know you. I know about your word, but I don't know your word. I know the stories that I've been taught every Sunday, but they're not in my heart. So this was a pivot for me, a huge pivot for me. And I had no idea what was ahead of me in ministry, y'all. I mean, seriously, no idea whatsoever. I didn't know he was going to call me into ministry, but I knew that I didn't know Jesus. And I knew if I didn't know Jesus, my kids would not know Jesus. And that was really important to me. I began having a quiet time with the Lord every day. That quiet time, I began having it in an intimate way and in a humbling way. And early in the morning, I'm sure I've got some brothers and sisters out there that can give me an amen on this, but sleep is really important. Some people are morning people and some people aren't. Wendy is not. Never have I been a morning person. I'm still not a morning person. There are days when my little spiritual alarm clock wakes up and it's 4.30 and I'm like, you know, and just a little pause there. Women that are reaching the maturity age that I am right now, we don't sleep good at night. We have hot flashes. We just, all kinds of things going on, right? Right, sisters? So, and, and boys don't understand that. You know, they, they actually start turning cold when we start turning hot in the bed and at night. So anyways, I'm like, Lord, I just really, you know, rolled over and went to sleep. Or I've been to the bathroom three times. I really, I've only had like three naps. I'm not getting any sleep. Get up. Lord, please. I mean, I argue with God after 20 years of doing this. I still argue with God. It's, he's so long suffering with me. I know he just says, oh my goodness. So we have to do this every day. Anyways, 
I remember him getting me up out of bed and pretty much I stomped up the stairs to the quiet chair, to the quiet room. Uh, it was the playroom as a little chair. I called my, affectionately, I started calling it my Jesus chair. But I remember sitting there in the dark. I did not turn on the lights. I had no cell phone or anything like that at the time that you have now where you look up the Bible or you listen to your music. None of that. In fact, a few years after I got in this routine, I, I would put my little headset on with my little um, walk, disc, thing, disc player. And you had to be really still because if you moved, your disc would skip. I know. But anyways, <laughs> but I started reading Psalms, Psalm 1. The next day, Psalm 2. The next day, Psalm 3. And I read at the Living Bible Translation. It was the paraphrase. Um, the Bible is a kind of a green padded cover. It's been around forever. Tyndale put it out. I'm sure everybody has one on their shelves and don't even know it. But I remember reading it going, wow, I think I can understand this. Because now I'm starting to realize, you know, at the age I am now, the enemy could not steal the salvation of that little girl that sat in that chair. But he certainly could disrupt the work that the Holy Spirit wanted to do in her life. And he would do anything to kill my joy and to disrupt me and to sidetrack the plans that God had for me. And he certainly did. And he, he played on my insecurities of my reading because I was not a good reader. Um, I did not comprehend well. So I had to reread things that somebody could read one page when, or two or three pages when it would take me one page to read. And I still couldn't tell you what I just read. Um, I have to read something and walk away from it even now and then come back to it. And the enemy, all those years, all these years have has played on those insecurities. And so you can imagine what I felt like reading the Bible in a way that I could understand it. I was like, where has this Bible been? It doesn't sound anything like King James, you know, these thou's, ye's, they's, and which I actually love the poetic nature of King James now. But I had to read this paraphrase, which um, if you're listening and you don't know about that Bible, the Living Bible, another more modern paraphrase Bible is the message. Um, and I just want to tell you this, too. I do not believe that when we get to heaven that God is going to go, hey, I'm glad you read my word, but you read the wrong translation. I believe totally that God is thrilled beyond words when his sons and daughters are in the word of God, no matter what translation, if you have to get a children's Bible, get a children's Bible. They even have one that's like cartoon form. It's called the action Bible. Um, David C. Cook puts it out. Get that, read it with your kids. You cannot give your kids a better gift than you learning the word of God with them. But anyway, so I, I started reading, there's 150 Psalms. And I will say it took me longer than 150 days because Psalm 119 is 176 verses. And for this young girl who didn't like to read and I was counting the pages of how many I was going to have to read that day, I was like, God, can I divide this up? So it did take me longer than 150 days. And after 150 days, you know what I did? I started over. You can read it through almost through all the Psalms twice in a year. And that was my foundation. I read about a man, mostly written by, mostly written by David, not always, not all the songs are written by David, but a, a good half of them are. But I met a man 
who had sinned against God and begged for forgiveness. I met a man who was so deep in sin that his bones were weak and his spirit was weak. Psalm 32. I met a man whose enemy was turning against him when he did nothing wrong. And I met a man who complained to God, hallelujah, we can pray and take our complaints to God, right? I mean, who else are we going to take them to? And we can get all of that out. I learned that our God has shoulders big enough to uh, bear every struggle that I have. And I used my morning quiet times and still do after my time of exaltation of praising God for getting me up and thanking him. I spend a time just talking about people to my God, to my daddy. And I'll say, this is bothering me. This is bothering me or this person hurt me. And I get it all out. Because here's the thing, if we don't get it out, it's going to root. And if it roots, it's going to choke out the very work that God is doing in our lives. So we have to use that quiet time, not as an obedience, not as a check the box, but as a time to get to know this Jesus that died on the cross for us. Not only did he die on the cross for us, but he was buried and raised again and went to heaven so that his word says, so that the Holy Spirit could come and dwell in us. And it's that Holy Spirit then begins to reveal, as I talked about before, those things in our character that aren't quite so charming and aren't quite so father-like. We are supposed to be making, allowing the Holy Spirit. We can't do it, but we can allow the Holy Spirit to shape us into the image that we were created to be in the first place. Go read Genesis 1, 26 and 27. We were created to be in the image of God. Male and female, he created them. And we allow Satan to get in our lives. We allow circumstances. We allow this world. Oh my goodness, we need to turn the TVs off. We need to turn social media off. We allow ourselves to be corrupted rather than transformed and changed. And so I, that's how I started. That was the pivot in my life was me sitting there watching these women go praise you and they were dancing and this Baptist girl was going what in the world has happened here I don't know what's going on so I spent these years these early years in my early 30s going into into my 40s being called into ministry now isn't that fun when you're in this process of finding out you know the Lord says you need to go and apologize to such and such because of so and so and I'm like "Mm -mm, I didn't do that but she thinks you did and you need to go mend that fence. But that's not fair. You're right, it's not, but you've got to go do it. He started out shaping me with putting the shopping carts back in the, in the parking lot. I, I've heard that there, he does that to a lot of people because that's an act of service. That's a simple act of obedience. I have cleaned public bathrooms before. My hairstylist, I've cleaned her bathroom twice. God had to bring me to a place of humility. Maybe you're not as far gone as I was. So maybe you don't have to clean any public bathrooms. I don't want to scare anybody off, but seriously. And I remember loving my relationship with the Lord. I remember being then excited to be getting up with him every single day, finding out something new in the word, being a little scared of what he would point out, but knowing what he was trusting that what he was pointing out was for my good. And it took a while for the transformation to happen. In fact, I'm still transforming because I'm still here. If my work on, if his work with me, in me and through me was completed, I wouldn't be here talking to you, sharing my story. So I know that my, the work is not completed. 
So just as a side note, if you can write down, and if not, come back and listen later and write down Romans 12, 1 and 2 and read it in the message translation. Um, you can go to BibleGateway.com, type in Romans 12 and choose in the drop down box, the message. That was the modern translation I was telling you about before. That's a pair. It's not a translation because translation means word for word. It's a paraphrase. It's my favorite way to read um, the verses that Paul talks about being transformed in the likeness of God. My very, very favorite. And then also read Psalm 139 in the message, a beautiful, beautiful paraphrase of how much God loves you and how much God loves me. So this is a time, friends, that you have to invest in any relationship. You can't just walk up to someone. I don't know. There are people that can do this. I can't. I'm really an introvert. They don't walk up to in Walmart and bump carts with them and start sharing their life stories. Now, there are some, I have a friend who, <laughs> she has the gift. I think she has something on her forehead that says, please tell me your story. I want to know every detail because she runs into somewhere, somebody everywhere, and they just tell her she's just got that kind of face. But my point is, you're only going to share the personal and intimate side of yourself with someone that you know. Jesus died to know you and for you to know him. It is a worthwhile investment. And this is something that I've learned truly that we're not unsaved. There's not a little box that says check, uncheck. Now there is a land's book of life that our name's in, and that's a lesson and a story for another day. But if we don't get to know God in an intimate way, if we don't get to the point where we're excited to meet with him every day and read his word and what are we going to do today, Lord? Who are we going to bless today, Lord? How can I serve you today, Lord? If we don't get to that place, we're going to, he's not going to take our salvation away. He's not going to go, yeah, you didn't do enough for me. You're going to be saved. There's nothing that you can do to lose that salvation. But what you're going to miss out on is the Jesus that died to give you a life that you can't even put into words. You don't even, we don't even know what we're missing. We don't. I had no idea what I was missing and I don't want to know because it would grieve my spirit to the point that I don't even think I could recover if I know what I've missed because I chose my way rather than his way, my will rather than his will. So let me wrap things up. Several years into this journey with the Lord, and I just call it a journey. I call it a, 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 a story. I call it, you know, it's just, it's just the way of life. It's a rhythm that he and I have together. It's a dance that I love dancing with him. Um, I had the opportunity to go hear Beth again. And she was filming her Bible study, The Patriarchs. And I was going to go and be part of the audience. I went with two other girls from my church, not the same girls from before, but went with two other girls from my church. And this is how I knew things had changed. I had my Bible. I had a new notebook and I had a pen and a highlighter. And rather than escaping my life and was thinking, oh, okay, I might learn something about Jesus. I was desperate for an encounter with him. I was like, I want to go and I want to learn. And so we were meeting, it was in Baltimore and we were meeting in a primarily African-American church. So you, again, God's putting me in this place where before it was in this with this with these women this church of god women where people were raising their hands and please know i'm not making fun of that at all i mean i'm total admiration of that of demonstrative worship but i didn't demonstrate i was learning but i did not so i'm going to this 
primarily African-American church. And I don't know if you've ever been in an African-American church, but I have. They have a different kind of worship than white people do. One that I totally admire, totally abandon, and, and they worship all day. I love that. You know, you, you, you're coming to church. It's a commitment for a long time. And it's not just three songs in the sermon. It's like, however the spirit leads, the preacher might not even preach, right? So here we are in the middle of multicultural. I love that so much. What like heaven's going to be sat there and felt like I was drinking from a fire hydrant all week. We, she did 11 sessions in seven days. No, five days, five days. And I know that woman was exhausted. Travis was exhausted. That praise team was exhausted. So she goes off the stage after the last sermon or message and everybody's still standing. Everybody's still, you know, just like, what do we do? I mean, we've just encountered God. What do we do here? And she walks back on stage. Y'all, I'm getting like goosebumps just to be so excited to tell you the story. But she walks back on stage and she calls Travis back up and she says, Travis, I can't leave. We've got to sing one more song. Travis just said, well, play the third cut off of that second worship CD or whatever. He just, I can't remember the exact song, which number it was. But anyways, the music started. We had not sung this song the entire week, but it was We Will Dance. And I have to tell you what, I hit the floor. I had turned Baptocostal and I hit the floor and wet the carpet with my tears. This is a God that saw me not even knowing what's going on, feeling so inadequate. And who is this Jesus? And oh my goodness, I knew him now. I knew him now. And I just could not stop praising him. I could not stop thanking him. I could not, I didn't even know how to express myself. It was just the most intimate moment. One of the most intimate moments that I have had with God. And it showed me how personal God is willing to get with us. He went so far to pull a song out that only he and I knew. So he's that good of a God. And he, I like to say this, you know, everybody has a story. That's how I started. My story is everybody has a story and God wants to be this huge part of all of our stories, whether we were, you know, grew up with Warden June Cleaver, like I did, or whether we've been rescued from trafficking. We have a story because we've been rescued from eternity apart from God. So I just want to encourage you to, if you don't even know how to get started, start like I did. Pick up the Bible and start reading with Psalms 1, Psalm 1 and read 150 days and give yourself grace to read Psalm 119. That long Psalm, that 176 verses, y'all, is my favorite Psalm now because it deals with God's word. The very book that I was scared to pick up and read. Now, I would carry my Bible. And I would highlight and I would write in it. I still have the Bible that my parents gave me when I was baptized. The spine's broken and my little name is written in Boston gold. And I still have it. And it's actually the living Bible for children. And I get it out and read it every now and then. So I've always loved God's word because God's word, right? But it was meant for us to read and understand and praise God. We have really, really smart people 
that can take Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic and translate it to where we can understand it. Don't be ashamed to go to God and say, I don't have that. I don't know you that way. I know you saved me and I'm grateful for the salvation, but forgive me for not knowing you in an intimate way and help me now to know you that way. And I I can tell you, I, I can risk reputation, my reputation for whatever that is, which I don't even know if I have one or not, but I'm not sure that I want one. But I mean, I would, I would be willing to lay down ministry if you gave God complete and full surrender and he did not meet you right where you are. He's not that God. He's waiting. He's waiting. He died to give you this life. The life that you've always wanted is right there. And so I just want to encourage you to do that. Read, start reading that, start reading the Bible. Um, Find one that you can understand. Um, Sit down and read it with your children and learn together because it is a decision that you will never, ever regret. God will never, ever let you down. Your earthly father may have let you down. Not everybody got Ward Cleaver as their dad, me, Wally and the beaver, um, but he'll never let you down. And the best is right around the corner and it's found in the pages of his word and through obedience to what he tells you. That's the key is I just, I don't like to be told what to do. I don't want to be bossed. Um, God doesn't boss. He suggests with grace and love and he gives us mercy when we, you know, test his patience. But God is loving, but he's not a bully. And I want you to hear that. He's not a bully. He's not going to make you read his word. He's not going to make you obey him. He's not going to make you love him this much. He's not. He saved you and you're going to heaven once you've accepted Christ as your savior. That's the first thing you got to make sure that you're saved. But after that, the intimacy, the fun, the pure fun, it was really fun hanging out with God. I mean, he wrote a whole story about a talking donkey. I mean, check that out. That's in the Bible. It's in one of those hard books like Numbers or Deuteronomy or something where most of us don't even read. But seriously, he's hilarious. And when you read the word, he's got this little tone of sarcasm sometimes when he's talking to his people that you just know he was just had this little his hand on his hip or something going, really? Um, but he's so fun to hang out with. And so I hope that my story has encouraged you to first know that you have a story and to second, to run hard after God. It's the best thing in the world that you can do for your life. The best thing. There were so many areas in Wendy's story where I could relate. And one is, is probably something I have not talked on here often about is I grew up very similar. I remember going to college and going to a campus crusade thing and people raising their hands in worship and me going, what <laughs> is happening? What is going on? And then little by little, your hands start to inch, you know, over probably a whole year's time, you know, <laughs> not in one week. I'm like, they get higher and higher and <laughs> higher. And just so much of Wendy's story really mm-hmm. related to me mm-hmm. that as she talked about meeting Holy Spirit, 
as she talked about the change he made in her life radically, I was just going, me too. That's my story. Me oh, too. Me too. I love that. When she said Baptist only clap when the budget is passed, <laughs> I, I lost it because I so can relate. I think too, one of the things I, when she was talking about going to the Beth Moore event, I can remember literally, I think it was nearly 20 years ago where I went to my first Beth Moore event. And I remember pulling up at the Birmingham Civic Center and there's thousands of women piling in to the Civic Center. And I'm thinking, I'm not going to have a spiritual experience at this event. This is ridiculous. And let me tell you, just like it happened with Wendy, Holy Spirit showed up and told me a thing or two during that Beth Moore event. And it really was for me a pivot moment as well. You know, I would say if you're a woman, you can relate to her being in the minivan. She has the dream. She's married to the guy. She's got the kid, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and she's going, wait a minute, is this all there is? Because that's called your 30s. I mean, (laughs) you know, you kind of have that, wow, is this all there is? And her biblical foundation, her foundation of church Mm. was not her relationship with Jesus Mm, and really meeting him. And just, you know, she just inched a little closer. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to inch a little closer. And that's what God is doing. Mm -hmm. He's saying, hey, just come a little closer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think Holy Spirit, you hear the word, you hear Holy Spirit, and it can be so scary. Mm -hmm. And the truth is... That's what he does. Mm -hmm. Holy Spirit just changes us. We become more brave. Mm -hmm. We we raise our hands a little higher because we become a little more free, a little less Mm -hmm. worried about what people think. Mm And Katie, you've talked about this before, how the more she got into the word, the more she craved the word. Mm -hmm. And then... I mean, now now she's teaching. She's a, yes. she's a Bible mm-hmm. teacher, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's always so interesting to see how God layers his message on us and our listeners as far mm-hmm. as what he's wanting us to hear. We're coming off of Ashley McCrary's story last week where she spoke about just really having this eternal perspective and recognizing that our God is so chatty. And I think <laughs> that Wendy touched on that. He is chatty. He wants to transform us day by day like you were talking about, Lindy. You know, she mentioned Romans 12, uh, verses 1 and 2 from the message, and this is a paraphrase, but I wanted to read it to you guys so you could really hear what God's Word says in these verses. It says, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognizing what He wants from you and quickly responding to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you develops well-formed maturity in you. I do really appreciate the paraphrase of the message because it just speaks in just everyday words and you can really take it and apply it to your life. And I think that's really what Wendy wanted us to do, all of us to do through her story. And you know, Wendy doesn't even talk about it in her story, but she has just written a brand new book. And as she and I were talking about it afterwards, it was so fantastic that we recorded the conversation and we're putting it on Patreon for you to hear. But let me tell you, it's called Jesus Everlasting. Katie, it's just what you read. Mm -hmm. It is about Jesus all day, every day. And you are going to want to buy it. I went straight on Amazon while we were talking and ordered my copy and it showed up at my door two days later. And she actually has four books. I'm going to go back and buy all of them. I didn't have any. 
If you go to her website, which is wendypope.org, or you can go to wordupministries.org. She does these incredible Bible teachings every single day, and she has for several years. She teaches the Bible every single day. Again, it overflows in these books. Y'all, I love her, and I want to encourage you to go check out all of her things as well. Robin, I'd love that you have that interview on Patreon. If you are not a Patreon member, you can go to patreon.com forward slash STL community. You can join today for five or $10 a month. All of that money goes directly to our ministry to help share stories of hope to women all over the world, honestly. So again, we would love for you to join Patreon today to listen to Robin's interview. And y'all have a great week and we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.